Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlon's Corner. I am Marlon uh, here in the corner with you. Marlon's podcast is a podcast that gives you reviews in under 30 minutes. You can get back to your day with some knowledge of what to talk about when you're around uh, the Zoom channel or the watering hole, wherever you happen to have work. Uh, Today, we're going to be focusing on two shows to talk about on Netflix. We're back at Netflix, folks. Netflix is now starting to unleash some of their summer programming. So we're starting to get some hotness. This episode is being recorded on the same day as Stranger Things season four is being released. So that's coming later. But today we're going to be talking about the G word and love, death and robots. The G word is season one. With Adam Conover, his brand new show on Netflix and Love Different Robots is on volume three. Um, we're going to start with the G word with Adam Conover. Now, if you if the name Adam Conover uh, sparks uh, a recollection in your brain, that is because he had a show on True TV called Adam Ruins Everything, where, as the show pointed out, he would talk about very popular topics and ruin them with real world facts. He would talk about uh, the wedding industry and how it's very predatorial and how they upcharge on a lot of basic things, um, something that I am going through now, realizing that uh, if you can convincingly lie and say you're having a family reunion or a big event, you could get much lower prices on items versus if you say you're doing it for a wedding. Uh, well, he did that show and now he's coming over and focusing more so on the government. Now, if you follow Adam Conover on social media, you know that he is very uh, adept at pointing out inconsistency within the government, uh, as well as pointing out a lot of public programs that should get funding that should exist versus a lot of these private programs that are, of course, privatizing and making things difficult for folks to get access to. So his show, The G Word, is this hybrid comedy documentary style that focuses on the surprising ways the government, U.S. government, impacts our day-to-day life um, from mundane to life-changing. And this show is being backed by Barack Obama. uh, And he makes an appearance a few times on the show talking about uh, how he is pretty open to being criticized by Adam and by others on the show, which is very interesting. And we start out with him talking about food, the USDA, um, about how there are beef programs that exist and how we have so much food, yet we're also the main ones wasting food. We talk about weather, where there are weather programs that the government has to predict patterns and things, but there are corporations who have private interests that are making it difficult to get a lot of this information uh, public. Uh, he even goes on to talk about a specific instance where if you didn't have, I think it's AccuView or the Weather Channel, um, where if, you know, if you don't pay for a subscription fee, you might not get alerted to a lot of these things. And you even know that there was a time where there was a hurricane and only paid subscription users were alerted to uh, the hurricane being nearby. And if you had the public access one, you weren't uh, given an update on that. So they were sued. Uh, but again, this is uh, the real world. And odds are they probably stood out of court and uh, were able to change a few things here and there and get a slap on the wrist. You know, they focus on how banks get bailouts, but 
they shortchange everyone else, um, especially when it came to those PPP loans. Uh, they talk about GPS and technology and how it's so amazing, but the organization behind that uh, is responsible for not only the most amazing advancements in technology, but they're also the creators of Agent Orange, which is this really nasty and terrible uh, gas that was used in a few wars that caused not only irreparable damage to the people who, you know, somehow survived it, but it also affected their DNA to where if they had children, those children were born with birth defects as a result of Agent Orange. That's something that our government made, as well as our government making the Roomba and drones. Um, it's just very interesting. But I do think that the best episode of it all was as you know, with each of these six episodes, there is the point where you get the good and the bad. And the show always ends with like, what do we do next? And it goes to the next topic. And by the last episode change, we really are kind of at that precipice of like, well, all this sucks. So what do we do? Like the government has these great programs, but there's also private companies who are taking advantage of these great programs and making it hard for everyone else to get it. Um, the government's also doing these bad things that we can't stop them from getting. Like, what's the point of the show? What's the point of being angry if nothing's going to change? And what I think is really great about this is Adam goes to someone that uh, who ran on change, uh, Barack Obama, and he tells them like, hey, so and I love the interview is very point blank of like, we elected you because you were talking about change. And when you got in office, not a lot changed. And it was a really great candid conversation around like, hey, so you told us that if we all came out and voted, we could change the world. And we got little change. And I think what was very interesting is that this was a great moment for Barack Obama to throw shade at Mitch McConnell because um, as soon as Adam Conover says, you know, we voted for you for change, and he goes, yeah, you did, but people also voted for Mitch McConnell. Uh, and it was a really great moment of like, yeah, if you were if you were alive during that time, you know that um, when Barack Obama was elected, there was a heavy Republican grass. I want, I'm not going to say grassroots. There was heavy Republican pushback to where Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are like, we can't let this man do all these things. And so, if you recall, there was so there was so obstinate in whatever this man wanted to do. They were like, no, that's not happening. And then eventually they, of course, get the majority uh, and nothing worked for that administration. There was very little change. Uh, and we all know that uh, for some reason, every president but uh, Republican presidents are really slow to executive order things, maybe because they can get repealed later on. But uh, we know that there were you know, a few pushes through with executive orders, but not a lot to make um, a long lasting difference. And I think what was great about this episode is that, yes, it talks about, you know, the presidential race and everything like that. But then they kind of take a step back and say, hey, every state has local elections that have truly large uh, impacts. And it's just as important for you to, you know, have to be tuned into your local elections. As tiring as that is, it's it's important. And we go over to Philadelphia and we see that there are these um, citizens who run in these elections. They're just regular citizens who get trained by this program to run, get elected, and be these very servant leaders of the community because they already live there. Uh, 
instead of having someone who comes from like the better side of town or outside of town come in and run and win, you have these local citizens who are running together, who are supporting one another uh, and who are so tapped into their own community's needs that it feels much safer for them. And it feels like change is a lot is easier and within reach because they know the people there. They know what the needs are because they see them every day. And it was really amazing to see that that's something that can happen, that this is a group of people who have decided that we're all going to prepare ourselves to either run for election or we're going to support our grassroots campaigns and make sure that they are the ones that win versus these fully backed politicians who may or may not have our best interests in mind. And I love that that was the last episode because it does feel pretty heavy to go through all like five episodes and just be left with like, hey, all this sucks. All this is shitty. And I feel like I'm just going to, you know, be very day by day, you know, do what I do and ignore everything else. So it's really cool to kind of have like, hey, there is change. There is possible. There is a possibility of change. And here are some avenues in which you can take. Overall, I think it's really important to watch it. I love Adam Conover. I think he does a lot of great introspective shows. Um, If you want to watch uh, some old Adam Conover stuff, I think the best one was the episode where he talked about death. Um, we're at the beginning of the episode for like a minute and like 48 seconds or even longer. He just tells you to imagine being dead and the camera like zooms in on him and like the audio starts to dip out and he really kind of like leads you into an exercise of like, hey, death comes for us all. Let's be real about it. And I want you to think about what it would be like to just not be here, to just pass away. And it was, of course, an episode around how like the funeral industry takes advantage of things. And it it was one of those types of episodes. But I love the exercise that he led into it. And I think with this show, you get a very similar exercise. And what's even better is that he gets to meet people who are part of these industry. He gets to meet USDA workers. He gets to meet folks who work at the Fed for the bank. He gets to go and meet people who operate our GPS satellites. He gets to meet uh, individuals who work at NIH. So it's really great that he gets a chance to be in these rooms to ask these questions and kind of deliver us uh, this look behind the curtain of uh, the government. So check it out. I love it. It's a nine out of 10 for me because I think it's important information to have. It does get a little uh, sad and dour at times. So it maybe kind of keeps it on the back burner to watch. And maybe that thing you want to keep on the back burner to watch is uh, Love, Death and Robots. Now, Love, Death and Robots, uh, it's on volume three, y'all. It's on volume three, which is like volume two wasn't that hot. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, it, it wasn't really all that impressive. And I get it. They needed to get something out to kind of like keep the hype going. But volume two definitely was um, an appetizer. We left us wanting more because it just kind of felt like there was stuff missing. And this, of course, is, an, uh, and if you don't know, Love, Death, and Robots is an anthology series on uh, Netflix. It's animated. Um, it's like... It's produced by Tim Miller, the, the, the person who's behind Deadpool and Terminator Dark Fate. He, you know, helps EP that. And David Fincher, um, who are just basically giving a lot of these animators and these animated companies um, just free reigns to make a one-off episode. Whatever they want to do it on, they just do it on. None of the episodes are connecting except for one, 
but every other episode is independent, stands alone by itself. Uh, in, in volume two, there are nine episodes, uh, which, hey, we we love it. We love amazing episodes. There's one more than last season, but it's nine episodes. They span from very different topics. Um, the only sequel we get uh, is from our buddies, Three Robots, which is a really fun uh, short about these three robots who are going on uh, this vacation slash uh, expedition uh, across a post-apocalyptic earth to figure out, hey, like, what happened to these humans? Why did they all die out? And it's a very uh, dark look on like, hey, they were fighting. Oligarchs were like buying up all the resources. Tech millionaires tried to escape the planet and didn't work out. So it's really good to kind of see that uh continue because the last time we saw them we noticed that the cats took over the world and of course the cats are still pretty prominent uh in the future so definitely check that out as far as episodes that felt psychedelic there was the very pulse of the machine which is episode three and that one just felt so wild and trippy the main character is like fully injured is taking these like drugs that have these uh psychosomatic aspects to them to where like she's tripping she's hearing voices you don't know if she's actually hearing them, if she's actually seeing them or not. Uh, and ultimately, she becomes one with the planet through this like really amazing electromagnetic uh, view of like bodies and energy always converging and combining and always flowing and ebbing. And, you know, matter is never truly uh, destroyed or whatever. So you kind of get a chance to see all that. And it is has this really great uh, illustration pattern as well that kind of like pops out at you, which is like really cool. Another great one is Night of the Mini Dead, which is honestly, it was so funny. It was wild. It basically is an episode about, hey, like zombies. But what if like the camera was pulled all the way out to where you can't see that much and all you hear is like a little tiny and you just watch the entire planet uh, go through a zombie apocalypse with these teeny tiny zombies, which are running from L.A. to the Vatican to like uh, Shanghai. They're just taking over the planet and you just watch uh, the zombie apocalypse go from bad to worse to uh, a global uh, phenomenon to full eradication of the planet. And it was a really fun ride to watch it and be a part of it. And it just was it was such a niche episode. You never got a clear look at anything because everything was just so miniature and small, but it paced so well and just kept you, it just kept your attention the entire time. You won't look away. You want to see like how crazy is it going to get next? And it gets crazy. These little mini people are doing like flamethrowers. They're using uh, all kinds of technology. Uh, there's like a Mad Max reference. It's just wild. Uh, just, Definitely check it out. It's episode four. Uh, episode six is another one. It's called The Swarm. Uh, and it, I think it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite because it reminds me of, of an episode in season one uh, where it, it's honestly just eerily similar uh, where you are it's the space. It, it also might be maybe the same animated studio. In the first season, there was an episode called Beyond the Aquila Rift, which, of course, is the episode 
where we find out that these uh, space travelers are captured by the spider alien and the spider alien is like taking their essence and consuming them all while giving them this very beautiful dream. So while she's eating them alive, they have these great dreams and ultimately when they expire, she'll have consumed all of them. But the whole time, they'll be happy ultimately as they're being devoured. It was very trippy and it ends on us seeing this huge spider web in space of all these ships that have been captured uh, and subsequently the crew eaten. And this one, the swarm, we get these two human scientists who are a part of this expedition, so to say. Uh, They're trying to observe and um, learn from this species called the swarm because they've survived in space for so long and they are, they're relatively, you know, reclusive species. They don't really do much, uh, but they survive so well and they survived for so long. They're like, great. Like, how do they do that? How do they survive for so long? And as humans are becoming more spacefaring, how could we learn from? And then ultimately we find out that one of the characters in this show, um, I believe their name is uh, Afriel, is looking to basically take back some samples of these um, swarm-like creatures to potentially create uh, a slave race within a slave race for the humans, a slave race so that the humans can focus on expanding and these like slave swarms who in the, who in the episode are being, are told to us, Oh, they're basically um, just, you know, mindless machines. They want to create those mindless machines to help benefit the expansion of humanity. And by the end of the episode, of course, they're caught. And we find out that the swarm are an adaptive species, that whatever need comes up, the swarm have like a queen and the queen can produce an egg that grows into a specific type of creature within the swarm to react to what's happening. And so they are aware of what these two humans are doing. And as a response, one of the uh, offspring of the swarm is this giant alien brain that captures a few humans. And we are revealed or we are told that the reason that they've survived for so long is because this giant brain has assisted in capturing any species of alien that would threaten the swarm and creates a copy of that species to eradicate the original species and creates their own symbiotic slave version of said species to support the swarm. So ultimately, because the humans have decided to try to steal from the swarm, the swarm now decided, great, your entire species is dangerous. We're going to take the two of you, get have you create offspring from that create stronger humans that are loyal to us and then we're going to send them out into the world to uh, eradicate your species because we now deem you as a threat to our survival and we get a great shot of this gross little alien that uh, is eating vomit and the giant brain tells us that little creature eating vomit a million or so years ago it used to be the most ferocious creature in space and we've tamed it and made it subservient to us. And it's this really chilling episode where you're kind of like, oh man, that's like, that's intense. Like that's like, 
again, I mean, it makes sense. You know, they're trying to take advantage of them, but it, it's dark. And what's dope is that Rosario Dawson is in this, as is Jason George. Uh, so it's a really, it's only two people. There's only two lines. There's only two actual people in this, but it just feels so otherworldly. It just pulls you in and it's beautifully illustrated. Uh, it's like, a, it's really cool. Uh, CGI mixture of things. It looks fantastic. Uh, and the last thing I'll talk about on here is uh, Jabaro, which is episode nine of Love, Death, and Robots. Jabaro was a trip. It's about a deaf knight and a siren who are in this like really toxic entanglement with, with one another. And what's really great about it is that it starts off relatively quiet because we're listening from the perspective of uh, the lead character, uh, Jabaro, who is deaf. So we don't really hear much. We kind of just see things. Uh, everyone's wearing also these like loud bangly things, uh, which I think, which of course I think is like on purpose. So the most sound you'll hear aside from the siren screaming is the sound of like jangling metal on metal because everyone's wearing these very loud um necklaces and bangles and chains and armor so everything is banging together the entire time and when we first see this siren come out of the water we see her call to these conquistadors who we believe are out there looking to find riches, find jewels. Basically, they're, they're looking to colonize this area. And to prevent that, this siren calls them into the water, uh, ultimately to their death. Because once they hear her call, they can't ignore her. And uh, what we get is we get this really cool scene where they're being kind of pulled to her, but they're pulled to her and they all start dancing towards her in these very twirly pirouette movements, very ballet-like and they keep going and they keep going until they all drown and they try to kill each other to see who can get there first and by the end of it there's only one night left and that's Jabaro who's deaf who can't hear and Jabaro being deaf the siren becomes interested in him and sees him almost as an innocent of like oh you you can't hear my call, so you're not as bad. M maybe you're more nicer than I would give you credit for. And so as Jabral tries to leave, the siren becomes obsessed and infatuated with him because here's someone who, you know, she doesn't have to be afraid to call that might, you know, kill himself. So she becomes obsessed with him. She follows him in this very kind of weird, creepy way. He's afraid of her. She doesn't want, she doesn't take no for an answer. She's all over him. And we get to a point where, you know, she kisses him. And you realize that her entire body is made from jewels. It's made from gold. So she has very like shark-like scales across her lips and her face. And she's hurting Jabaro as she wants to be close to him. And in that closeness, he realizes that, oh, this woman is made of precious stones and jewels and material. And instead of pushing her away, he instead begins to assault her. So after she's hurting him, trying to find love and infatuation, uh, he winds up assaulting her and strips her body of all the gold and the diamonds and the chains that are on her entire body until she's just like flesh. He rips it all away in this very visceral, aggressive moment. And it just feels so raw just to watch this man like knock this woman out. And just begin to just to tear pieces of her body off of her and push her into the river, presumably dead, and just like 
make off with a bag of her body parts, bags of her pieces that he's taken from her and try to leave the forest. He, of course, is lost. And at some point, he leans down to get some water because he's tired and he accidentally drinks some of her blood. And in doing so, his deafness is magically cured. And it's at this time that the siren awakens to seeing that she is naked, that she has none of her jewels, none of her gold anymore. And as she's, you know, dying, she wants to get revenge on Jabaro. And so she calls to him because now he can hear her. And so he, she pulls him into the same lake she killed all the others before, and they die together in this pond. He dies having just gotten his hearing. He dies having just assaulted and pulled all the jewels off this woman. And she dies after having stalked and some way assaulted him as well. These two in this really toxic entanglement both die in this lake together. And it's honestly the most interesting of the shorts. It's directed by Alberto Mielgo, and it's just it's just fascinating because, yes, there's a part of you that's like, OK, Jabara was wrong to assault this woman and take all of her things from her and basically just assault her in this in this river. And it's also wrong if this woman refused to let him leave. You know, there's uh, an amazingly creepy shot where he's running in the dark and she's always behind him. She's hiding in bushes, stalking him from trees. And he's like actively trying to get away and she refuses to let him get away. Uh, even the scene where like they kiss, like she's physically grabbing him and like grinding her face into his face, despite the fact that he's showing signs of being uncomfortable, she's going for it. So you have this very toxic back and forth where you're kind of like, oh my God, they're both wrong. Like both these people are doing terrible things to each other. This is so messed up. And it just leaves you with this really sick feeling of like, I can't believe all that happened. Uh, this is all so bad. And it definitely has accents of like, this is definitely about colonialism, um, especially in the garb that the soldiers are wearing. You can tell that they're going to like pillage the land and the siren is a personification of the land um, because she has all these resources on her. She has gold and diamonds and rubies on her body to signify her being the riches of the land and trying to defend herself from the greed of men. Uh, but then there's a whole other story around uh, toxic relationships uh, and pursuing those you should be pursuing. So it has so many different caveats to it. Definitely check it out. There are nine episodes in Love, Death, and Robot. This season is so good this season honestly i'll give it 10 out of 10 this is a 10 out of 10 season every episode was a banger in season three of love death and robots if you haven't checked it out check it out um if you honestly if you haven't checked it out you have two great seasons to watch one so-so season but the season one and season three have just real good bangers in them season three i'm gonna like rank higher than season one because I think they figured out what works best for them because it has so many amazing stories to be told in it. Check it out today. Nine out of 10. It's amazing. Netflix summer's happening. Um, hopefully they can get their shit figured out because so far it's going pretty well. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a part of this. Hopefully you enjoy the suggestions I've given you today. If you have any suggestions of shows that I should watch, you can hit me up on social media at Marlin's Corner on Instagram and on Facebook. And folks, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your weekend. We will be converting to bi-weekly. So we'll have one episode coming out um, 
when you're listening to it now. And then another episode uh, about a week later, just to kind of give me time because I have a summer job and the kids are coming because it's summer camp season. So look forward to buy with your releases. And with that being said, folks, thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next time. Review everything in the corner on Mom's Corner. Bye. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California. 